Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the George Pickens uh, Appreciation Hour brought to you by Tony Squares and Chris Dell. That's right. It's the fantasy favorites. We're talking about wide receivers and tight ends today, and I'm already excited, as you should be, about the George Pickens preseason games and what it could mean for the regular season. But we'll get to that later. Okay, the fantasy favorites. Brought to you by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, a member of the North Shore Drive podcast family. And if you're watching on YouTube, we're at PG Sports Now YouTube channel. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, help us grow. And as we help you win your league, who knows where we could go? Because I've been on picking since the jump, Chris Dell. We're going to break down wide receivers and tight ends today. We're going to talk about your five buys for all these positions. We did QBs and running backs last week. But can we just talk about the glory? That is George Pickens in these preseason games. I think every target so far has been a 30-yard touchdown. Am I right on that? I mean, the Steelers, they're winning the Super Bowl, man. No question about it. It's already over. Put it in the books, man. Four drives by Kenny Pickett in the preseason, four touchdowns. It's over. It's over. Give them the North. Say goodbye to the Bengals. It's Pittsburgh all the way. I'm not even a Steelers fan. I'm not even trying to, like, get the fans of this podcast riled up. I love George Pickens. I've been drafting him everywhere, and I'm kind of mad that he's showing up in preseason because now I'm no longer on, like, the secret train. Everyone knows about him now. Dell, you've seen that with your prognostications year after year. Do you get kind of angry when you have someone in the beginning of August or the middle of August, and then by the time September rolls around, everyone and their mother is on them? Are you kind of like a little bit angry about that? Or do you feel like, I, I got this right, everyone's just a little bit late to the game? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, you obviously want to get a good value on them in your drafts, but at the same time, like sometimes you're like, yeah, I got to draft them two rounds earlier now than I would have had to a month. And that, that's, that just comes with the territory, but George Pickens has been balling out. Kenny Pickett's been balling out. Uh, we'll see how they do when they get into the regular season. But, I mean, it looks promising. I mean, Pickett, Pickett uh, it's it's all about the quarterback play and the play calling. And, and if Matt Canada is going to open things up in this offense and Kenny Pickett's going to take control and, and make a, a true year two progression, then, yeah. you know, the, the George Pickens, the talent is there. We already know that. But I actually think it could really benefit a couple of the guys who aren't getting as much hype, Jalen Warren, uh, yeah. Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah, man, the hype is there. You, you're not going to sneak uh, Pickens by anybody, but no. doesn't mean he still can't be a good fantasy draft pick this season. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it, and I'm excited 
for the five buys segment for the wide receivers. We're going to start off with them. Chris Dell, you are the sports editor at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, their lead fantasy analyst. You gave us your quarterbacks and running backs last week. Today, it's all about the wide receivers and the tight ends and the five buys. It's not just people you're really high on, but it's also some guys you're looking to avoid, some cells in there. But this is the five buys podcast. Every burger is a good burger at five buys. Dell, are you ready to dive in to the wide receivers? I'm ready to go, man. I got my honorary wide receiver jersey on. I, I hope the uh, Pittsburgh Steeler Nation, uh, Steeler Nation, is not going to judge me too much by wearing my uh, Cincinnati Bengals colors here. But uh, repping the number 80, Peter Warwick, back from my hometown of Bradenton, Southwest Florida. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the vibes out here, wide receiver vibes, and, and I'm ready to go. And we're going to touch on guys that are near the top of your drafts, middle rounds and some late-round sleepers as well. So I'm ready to go, Tony. So you last week you sold Najee Harris and said you don't want any piece of him during your fantasy season, and this week you're wearing a Bengals jersey on it. Are you trying to get fired? <laughs> hey, man, I haven't worn it publicly uh, out in the streets of uh, downtown Pittsburgh yet where we're living, but no, nah, man, uh, you know, I, I'm a, I've been a Bengals fan since I was a little kid, and uh, unfortunately the, the Bengals have, don't really have a true rival in the division because they've always been terrible. So maybe we'll have a little fun rivalry develop now that the Steelers are coming up, the Bengals are coming up. I mean, I honestly think it's the most competitive division in the NFL from top to bottom because you could even make a case that the Browns can make some noise uh, this year. But no, man, uh, wide receiver-wise, I mean, look, I I put the article out last weekend. uh, It was on Sunday. It's up on the Post-Gazette website right now. So make sure to check it out at post-gazette.com. Uh, I've been doing a weekly column on each position, started about a month ago. Now we're winding down to our last few articles. My tight end article will be on the website this weekend. And with the show, we're, we don't want to just, uh, you know, resurface everything from each article. We're trying to combine them and make it a little more unique, add some context and different, uh, you know, discord to the conversation. So that's why we're combining the two positions here today on this show. I'm going to lead off right now at the top of the board, right? And like, look, like there's no point in me, Tony, talking about, Justin Jefferson, my boy Jamar Chase, or Tyree Kill, right? Like, those are the consensus top three receivers for a reason. Like, they're being drafted as the top three guys, and they're being projected to finish as the top three guys, right? So the market and the industry rankers, the fantasy analysts, they're all in line. To me, where it gets interesting is after that top three. Many people have Cooper Cup there, and I think Cooper Cup absolutely deserves to be in the top five. I think that any wide receiver in the top five – has a legit shot to finish as the top one receiver at the end of the year. However, I think there's a guy right now being drafted as the 10th receiver off the board who also has a legit shot of finishing as the wide receiver one overall in fantasy. And I, I hate to pick on you again, Tony, but he's one of your division rivals, and it's a Ross St. Brown from the Detroit Lions, man. Listen, uh, you before you get going on, on the sun god, you do not have to be mad bringing up a Detroit Lion named Amon Ross St. Brown to me because I've had him every year I possibly could in fantasy. I love this guy. Keep going. That's your that's your number one five by. Let's go, Amon Ra. Yeah, and, and look, the thing is with, with Amon Ross St. Brown, we saw what he did at the tail end of his rookie season, right? We also saw what he did in the second half of last season. In the second half of last season, he was the wide receiver six in fantasy points per game. I highlighted him at the top of my article. And the reason I bring it up is because even if he finishes just how he did in the second half of last season, he's going to be a big value as the sixth receiver in scoring based off the 10th receiver taken off the boards and drafts, right? But I really think that 
you talk about the perfect storm of events that could line up to catapult Amon Ross St. Brown, where next year we're talking about him as the next Cooper Cup of fantasy. And that's because he essentially plays that same type of slot role where Jared Goff loves to throw the ball in those short slot intermediate areas of the field. Amon Ross St. Brown, he, he's, he's just now barely even entering his prime as an NFL player. The Lions have the consensus top offensive line in the NFL right now with multiple first uh, first round picks in that mix, multiple pro bowlers from last season. So you talk about these layup passes, these short slant routes, slot routes, hitch routes, et cetera. St. Brown has all the athletic measurables in the offensive environment uh, to become that next Cooper Cup where we're not worried about injuries. We're not worried about age. The Lions threw the ball a ton last year. And, and the most important thing for me that I, that I want to use with this is like we talk about touchdowns being a fluky statistic, right? Like, yeah, look, Derrick Henry's going to score probably between 10 to 20 rushing touchdowns every year. But Jamal Williams scoring 17 rushing touchdowns for Detroit last year, that was a complete outlier total for him. And he's gone now. And if you're telling me, like, if that's going to regress back to the normal, I actually expect this Lions offense to be just as good, if not better than last year. And that means a lot of those rushing touchdowns are going to go to the passing game. Amon Ross St. Brown was inside the top 10 in the league in terms of end zone targets, targets inside the five-yard line, targets inside the 10-yard line. So for me, I've got him ranked as my wide receiver four. He's going off the board as wide receiver 10. It doesn't seem like a huge difference on paper, but those are the type of discounts that can win you your draft in terms of getting those elite players early. So Amon Ross St. Brown, to me, in terms of the top of the board, he can finish as the number one wide receiver overall, and you can comfortably draft him right now in the middle of the second round. So he's my favorite in terms of the top class of fantasy receivers this season. That's amazing. And so in terms of your ranking, he's ahead of guys like Devontae Adams, like Cooper Cup and all that stuff, because that's how much you believe in him. And that is that is a steal if you can get him that late in that second round, if you believe he's going to finish where you think he's going to finish. That's good for Amon Ra, good for the sun god. I will never get mad at that guy. Count all 17 wide receivers that came out of the draft before you did, Amon Ra. Keep on going, buddy. Let's go. Who's wide receiver number two on the five-by segment, Chris Dell? Yeah, well, uh, wide receiver two, I'm, I'm just going to go down a couple tiers because that's why Amon Ra St. Brown, he's in my tier one of that those top five guys, including yeah. the top three in Cooper Cup. The next tier, you know, I'm pretty in line with the market. This is wide receiver six starting at CeeDee Lamb going down to Devonta Smith. But in tier three is where things get really interesting for me. And look, this guy, he's not the most sexy of names out there, but he's he's old faithful. He's old reliable. And, and that's Tyler uh, yeah, Lockett I in think, Seattle. Oh, Tyler, interesting. I thought you were going to go with another old reliable, but Tyler Lockett. Tell me about Tyler Lockett. I mean, Tyler Lockett last season to finish the year, the back half, you know, weeks 9 to 17, he was the wide receiver 13 in fantasy points per game. He's being drafted as the wide receiver 27 overall in drafts right now. Pick number 67 off the board. That means you can get Tyler Lockett as a bona fide wide receiver two in your lineup. You can get him in the sixth, seventh round in a lot of your fantasy football drafts right now. So, you know, it's 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 kind of the perfect storm for him, whereas like DK Metcalf's entering his fifth season – He's kind of just entering his prime as, as a young, talented wide receiver in the league. Then they drag Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. You know, all reports are he's tearing it up in preseason and in training camp. He just came down with a wrist injury in practice the other day. He had wrist surgery. He's going to be out for possibly a month. Now, even if yep. Smith and Jigba comes back in week one, which still is a possibility, uh, I still think it's overshadowing the fact that Lockett was arguably the best receiver 
for the team last season. And Geno Smith, that entire offense, the play calling, the scheme, they were top seven in neutral uh, pass, uh, neutral pace pass rate. That means anytime a game is within three to seven points, a close back and forth game, the Seahawks were dropping back to pass 61% of the time. They had a, a bottom 10 defense in terms of EPA allowed per play. What does that mean is that they're throwing a ton, but their defense also isn't very good, which means they're going to give up a lot of points, which is yeah. going to lead to them needing to throw more and run yeah. more plays. So just the discount you can get where a wide receiver is being drafted as number 27, he's finishing inside the top 12 and 13. That's that that's what you want to do when you're drafting for value in these leagues. So yeah, Lockett might be 30 years old, but he's not a 30 year old running back. And and exactly. you don't need to worry about 30 year old wide receivers. They can still be in their prime at this age, at this point in their careers. And if you watch how Lockett plays the game, there's a lot of times where Lockett goes down very early because he, he just wants to avoid getting hit so he can stay on the field longer. I was reading up about Seattle actually today. Uh, Seattle had 30 touchdowns of, on plays of 10 uh, or more yards. 30 touchdowns last year on plays of 10 or more yards. That was the most in the NFL. They also had 29 offensive plays of 30-plus yards last year, which was fourth in the NFL. Geno was slinging it. They are the big play capability, and Lockett's definitely there. And Geno could definitely come back down to earth but if you take a real look at his stats, he wasn't exactly the the best player in the world that he was last year. Great completion percentage, but was really a middling quarterback. So this team could still be rolling, and Lockett could still be rolling, even if Geno comes back down to earth just a little bit. I love Lockett as the wide receiver, too. Let's go to the third one, uh, Chris Dell. Who's the third wide receiver on your five buys? Yeah, the uh, you know some of these guys, there, there's a lot of receivers that, that make the case for being this high in the rankings, but – one guy that I specifically want to focus on that just recently rose up the ranks is uh, he's a rookie receiver. And there's quite a few rookie receivers I like in this class. And I wasn't able to mention him in my article, but he did make the honorable mention list at the bottom. And that's Marvin Mims Jr., the rookie out of Oklahoma. Uh, now, now, look, you got to think of the situation that we're talking about in Denver. Sean Payton comes into Denver pretty much to clean house of what Nathaniel Hackett had done the year before a complete disaster there. People are talking about Russell Wilson's wash, whether or not Wilson ends the year as the starting quarterback. I'm not sure if that really matters in this situation. What I do know is that Sean Payton, he goes after his guys and he brings his guys in. We saw in the last preseason game with them at tight end, that Greg Dolchich only played 30% of the snaps. The main 70% of the snaps went to Adam Troutman. And Adam Troutman, like, he's not on our fantasy radar, but you know what? He played for Sean Payton in New Orleans, and Sean Payton's already brought in a ton of guys that he coached in New Orleans now to Denver. Now, the reason I say all this to preface Marvin Mims is that that was essentially Sean Payton's first offensive draft pick as the head coach for this organization. They traded up in the draft with limited draft capital to take Marvin Mims, and he had a pretty good college profile overall coming out of a big school explosive offense in Oklahoma. I moved Marvin Mims with the Jerry Judy injury. Jerry Judy yesterday was carted off the field in practice. He's going to miss possibly two months overall. Sutton's dealt with injuries, and he's getting older too. And now you throw in the tight end dilemma of like Dolchitz not really being the the, the tight end favorite of the coaching staff. Again, like actions speak louder than words. And what did the, the Broncos do? They use their draft capital to not just draft Nims early, but to trade up for him in the draft. He's going off the board right now, Tony, as like the 72nd receiver off the board. yeah. And I I expect that to go up a little bit to like maybe the 50s, the 60s. I bumped them all the way up to wide receiver 39 
uh, in, in my rankings. That's a full 33 wow. spots ahead of where wow. he's being. I want to be aggressive drafting talented rookie receivers where the unknown, but we've seen them put up elite numbers in college. Yep. So that that's one recent change for me where I want to act on news that actually matters. And to yep. me, Marvin Mims could finish the year leading the Broncos and all the receiving look, KJ Hamler out for the year, Tim Patrick out for the year, Sutton, you know, older veteran, injury prone, Judy, extremely injury prone. Who else are they going to throw the ball to other than maybe Mims and Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan out of the backfield. So I bumped Mims all the way into my top 40 because I want to be aggressive getting them in the middle to late rounds of my draft right now. Man, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Lockett, and Marvin Mims. Those three you're only going to hear on the Fantasy Favorites brought to you by the Post-Gazette, the North Shore Drive podcast family. That's the plug. Put that in there. That's beautiful, Chris Dell. Marvin Mims, unbelievable. Uh, do we have a fourth wide receiver, and have I heard of this name before? Uh, well, I, I think you have heard this guy, Tony. I'm, I'm going to go back from – I'm going to go from rookie – Back to old, boring veteran. But to me, this guy's an extremely exciting fantasy pick this year. And mm. to be honest, out of all the guys I'm talking about, this ADP, this average draft position, makes zero sense to me. And that's going to the Dallas Cowboys with newly acquired receiver Brandon Cooks. Yep. Right? Yep. Brandon Cooks being drafted as the wide receiver 40 off the board overall pick number 98. So you can take right now Brandon Cooks in the eighth, ninth round of yeah. your fantasy drafts. Yeah. This guy was the wide receiver 18 in his last two full seasons in the league. And that with was Davis with Davis Mills, Mills throwing him the ball. Yeah. And now he's going to Dak Prescott. Like, what, what, Tony, what, what are we doing here with this right now? It doesn't make any sense. Plus, Dallas lost uh, uh, their second leading receiver, who was their tight end, Dalton Schultz. Michael Gallup should be better after the the second year coming back after an ACL injury. But Brandon Cooks is all reliable, man. I'm right there with you. Uh, wide receiver 40. I do believe you said it in his intro. It's an unsexy name. And I think that's what gets people when they're in these drafts. They want to get the Marvin Mims of the future. They want to get the Jordan Addison, the next name. Brandon Cooks is going to be there, man. And as you said, wide receiver 18 in a team like Houston, and now you're going to Dallas, who is one of the best offenses in the league, whether Mike McCarthy's calling plays or not. I think that's a great call. I think that's a great call, Brandon Cooks. 89 targets vacated by Dalton Schultz going to Houston. And, yep. yeah, Gall Gallup's going to be a little healthier. I'm, I, I like Gallup personally as a fan, but he's coming back from a very lengthy rehab injury himself. Um, you know, who's going to really emerge at tight end? You know, Jake Ferguson's a sneaky name. But at the same time, Brandon Cooks is a proven commodity in the league. He has six 1,000-plus-yard receiving seasons to his name in the league. And it feels like he's been in the NFL forever, right? But he's only 29 years old. He's not that exactly. old. And yeah. a lot of – you know, it's funny. A lot of people, sometimes these public narratives can take hold of these players for much longer than they should. I, I hear people still talking about that – Oh, well, Brandon, uh, Brandon Cooks is one concussion away from getting out of the league. That was like five years ago. Exactly. Like, what, what are we doing? Like, he's played three straight years with Houston now. And if he was able to be a top 20 receiver with Tyrod Taylor, the shell of Tyrod Taylor, my boy, and Davis Mills throwing the ball, he has easily a path to being a top 15, top 20 receiver with Dak Prescott in this high-flying offense. Like, don't be afraid of Mike McCarthy uh, just, like, all of a sudden playing run-only ball. He opened up the passing game a ton when he was calling plays in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. So I expect him to do the same and for this to be just as explosive a passing attack as we saw last year with Kellen Moore calling the plays there, too.
Also, Noah Brown, who was a wide receiver for Cowboys last year, no longer on the team. He had 74 targets himself. So there's a lot of stuff to go around for Brandon Cooks to be able to receive. I like that play a lot. I like that play a lot. Again, Marvin Mims ahead of him, though, is still still worrisome, Dell. You just wanted to make an impact with that Marvin Mims statement. But let's go, man. Five buys. It's our fifth wide receiver. We haven't had a sell yet. So is this going to be a guy you love or is this going to be a guy you're stepping away from? Yeah, well, you know, I, I want it because I think we're going to try to do some type of like a do not draft shy away type of episode or article as well. So I want to save some of those guys for later. But gotcha. Uh, and, and look, I, I will say also that when you when you look at my, my rankings overall uh, and the guys I highlight in each article, I, I try to do by tier. So like going from the top yep. to the middle to the bottom, I have Brandon Cooks ranked ahead of Marvin Mims, but I'm just so much higher on Marvin Mims compared to the market. I thought yeah. he was mentioned, worth mentioning earlier. I've got him back-to-back with Jerry Judy right now. So we'll see how that plays out, obviously. Now, one guy that I just you – know, this is like – he's. I'm not buying him. I'll buy him and I'll sell him to somebody <laughs> who wants to buy it because I'm passing him off to whoever wants to draft him. This guy, I don't care how far he falls in drafts for me, and, and it's Michael Pittman with Indianapolis. I, I just want oh, no yeah. part yeah. of the passing game. I love Anthony Richardson. We talked about him in our last episode as yep. being one of my favorite fantasy quarterbacks, but he's the only guy I like on that team for fantasy, just the quarterback, because he's going to be selfish, and he's going to take all the fantasy points for himself with rushing touchdowns, scrambling, things like that. I think it'll be very random who winds up getting a lot of the receiving work from Anthony Richardson at the end of the day because – you know, he's struggling with accuracy in the short to intermediate areas, which is where you need to – that's kind of your bread and butter as an NFL quarterback. Even ask guys like Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, like that's where they make their bread too. But at the same time, Richardson's best attribute as a passer is throwing the ball deep. And I actually think that guys like Alec Pierce and the rookie Josh Downs, they're more suited to fit Anthony Richardson's th- current throwing style. I'm not saying he can't improve, but Michael Pittman – you know, big bodied, not necessarily the biggest burst, the big, the fastest athlete. Yeah. I think he's, he's a gonna receiver. He, he, Michael Pittman would be well with a traditional, accurate drop back passer. He can go up and get those one on one balls, those possession yeah. type of plays. I think that Anthony Richardson's inaccuracy, it, it's going to hurt Pittman the most because that's the type of style receiver he is. So uh, Pittman is currently going off the board around wide receiver 31. I've got him all the way down to wide receiver fifty-four because this is why. Like, I'm not, mm. I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying Tony that he's going to finish as the fifty-fourth receiver. But what I want to say with my ranking is that even if he falls ten spots to like wide receiver forty-two, yeah. some might say, "Oh, that's a value." I don't even want him there. So I want to put myself so far behind market that he's never going to fall into a draftable range for me. And, and that's how I treat how I'm approaching these kind of do not buy uh, players in my fantasy drafts. Well, you know, I, I'm happy you said that. I know you said you wanted to save that for the do not draft uh, section, but I think we're going to make Michael Pittman your fifth uh, uh, five buy because of how that was a great case that you just made on the sell of Michael Pittman. And we do want these five buys to be a little bit some here, some there. And that was as a warning. People might be doing their draft right now. And so I'm happy we got that out because Michael Pittman, it's true. I don't believe in Anthony, Anthony Richardson as the pocket passer as well. And Michael Pittman needs that pocket passer to be successful in that offense. But before we move on to the tight ends part of it, before we go to the, to the, to the world of Pat Frymuth, I do want to say one thing about the George Pickens Appreciation Hour that I will be hosting every week on this channel on 
and the at PG Sports Now YouTube channel. Like, subscribe if you want more. I love George Pickens content. But last year, we know that this Pittsburgh offense with Kenny Pickett uh, it needs to be more explosive. It needs to stretch the field more. They were one of the worst in the world in the history of the NFL at stretching the field and having long plays and long touchdown plays. So that's going to be a market you've seen in this preseason. Kenny Pickett willing to throw the long ball last year. Deontay Johnson was targeted 35 times on balls traveling uh, uh, 10 yards plus down the field. He only caught nine of these balls. George Pickens was targeted 34 times, one target less. And this is just from Kenny Pickett, by the way. He caught 18 of those double Deontay Johnson's production in the same amount of targets, one less target. I'm all aboard the Pickens hype train. I'm all aboard the Pickens hype train. But let's move on now to the tight end position, to the tight end position, a position that's uh, largely forgotten about in fantasy aspects. You usually only start one of them. You're, it's rare that they might even be flexed out in certain leagues. You might not even have a tight end position in certain leagues. And forever, at least for the past few years, this has been a one-and-done position. This has been Travis, Kelsey, and blank. It doesn't matter who else is there. But I'm with Dell in saying that this is a position that, I like to target because I believe I can get an advantage on my opponent. If I can't get Kelsey, then let's get someone that I think I'm going to beat my opponent every week at this position with this dude. I know Dell's got some winners on there. Who's number one in the five buys tight end list? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I might be wearing a Bengals jersey. This this might be a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, and uh, I'm going to have to go against my personal team. And, and to me, the guy I love at the top of the board is Pat Fryerman. Like that, that, that's, that's my guy. He's my favorite fantasy tight end inside the top 10 uh, this season. I think that he could finish the year as a borderline top three. And that means rivaling the likes of Kelsey Hawkinson and Andrews or the clear top three in fantasy yeah. this year, but you can get Friarmuth at a much cheaper price tag. I, I'm, I, I've got a ton of Friarmuth in a lot of the best ball drafts, mock drafts that I've been doing uh, I, I think that he's actually going to finish the year ahead of George Kittle. And George Kittle, mm -hmm. love the talent of Kittle, but when you have Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey all healthy at the same time, Kittle's the one that really suffered in terms of overall target share last season. So, uh, Friar, if you mentioned the whole scheme of this Pittsburgh Steelers offense, even if they do try to open it up a little more, you know, Kenny Pickett, young young quarterbacks often find their security blanket over the middle of the field. And Pat Fryermuth has been that guy for multiple years now, even before Pickett became the starter in 2022. So when you look at what he did uh, overall just last season, I mean, in, in a year where the Steelers had such bad touchdown luck in their offense overall, he was still able to put up top seven, top eight fantasy tight end numbers. So uh, I expect some positive regression back to the normal uh, for Pat Fryermuth. And, and when you look at the second half of last season, when Pickett really started, you know, to to kind of gain his stride under center, Pat Fryermuth was right up there, even with only scoring like two touchdowns in that stretch overall. When you look at what he did, uh, just one touchdown in the final second half of the season, but he was up there in terms of overall targets, top five in targets right next to Mark Andrews, right next to Evan Ingram, who were fantasy darlings. But those guys happen to score a lot more touchdowns. So, you know, typically we see historically we see with research that when it comes to fantasy and, and statistics that uh, tight ends tend to break out in their third, fourth years in the NFL. And that's exactly what we're getting with Pat Fryer. here. all the important statistics 
so far through two seasons have gone up year to year. Receptions from 60 to 63, targets from 79 to 98, yardage from 497 to 732 last year. The only thing that went down was his touchdowns. And again, those can be very fluky. So I expect him to be a reliable target on all levels of the field, especially in the red zone. And if we even get halfway to what he was in, in the touchdown department from two seasons ago, then he's going to finish as a top four tight end. The, the beauty of all this is that, you know, he's he's going off the board as tight end nine right now behind yeah. Dallas Goddard, behind Kyle Pitts, behind Kittle. Uh, I think he's the absolute best value in the board when you look at those, those top tight ends in the fantasy market right now. Yeah, because it is important to – know when you're going to draft your guy like you could spend a first round pick on Travis Kelsey I'm not going to get mad at you but you know what you're giving up when you do that and guys like Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson they are going to finish where you think they're going to finish but the draft capital you have to spend on them is so hurtful to the overall building of your team that you can wait for a guy like Pat Frymuth and if he's going to equal those big guns and you've just built a much better team by waiting on that tight end position. I love it too. I love it too. And we're not trying to be homers here. We are not trying to be homers to the Pittsburgh post Gazette crowd. Although you can read about this five uh, uh, buys tight end section, which I'm sure we'll have a nice photo of Pat Frymuth right on the front head to the website. When it comes up for the Pittsburgh post Gazette, you can read up all about it for Dell Dell. Tight end number two, though. Let's get off this Pittsburgh bandwagon. Who's tight end number two on the? Well, I, I am wearing a, I am second. wearing a Bengals jersey, so we, we, <laughs> we cancel out the bias right right here and there. But uh, no, in all seriousness, I, I think that uh, for me, when it comes to m- the top buys on my tight end list, uh, I, I want to go uh, to tier four, which is tight ends nine through twenty in my rankings. I think there's a lot of uh, bull cases you can make for certain players mm-hmm. in this range, but. One player I want to uh, I want to harp on specifically. I've been trying to bring up at least one rookie when we go in each of these positions, right? So quarterback, it was Richardson. Yep. Uh, you know, we just talked about Marvin Mims. I, I believe uh, for the for the running back, at least in my article, I, I, I liked I, I highlighted both Tank Bixby and Devon A. Chain in Miami. The guy I want to bring up this year, it's not Dalton Kincaid. It's not the first receiver that was uh, the first tight end that was drafted in the first round by the Buffalo Bills, so I, who I think could be pretty good. It's actually Sam Laporta, uh, third pick of the second round. This guy is like a George Kittle clone. And, you know, he's basically – it went to show you that the Lions were willing to trade TJ Hawkinson to an in-division team last year and be like, <laughs> yeah. you know what, we're good. We're going to score a ton of points anyways, and we're just going to draft Hawkinson's replacement and pay him at a fraction of the cost. And when you look at Sam Laporta, you know – Iowa is churning out elite tight ends in the NFL over and, and over people, again. People are saying that this is the best tight end draft class ever. So yep. I like, you know, yeah, I just said that rook, uh, you know, tight ends tend to not break out until their third or fourth year. But, you know, we saw what Friarmuth did as a rookie. I think Laporta could even have an even bigger season this year playing with the Lions. And, and I love the draft cost of what you just mentioned because Sam Laporta – Right now, when you look at overall ADP, he's going off as the 17th tight end off yeah. the board right now. I've got Sam Laporta as my 11th tight end, borderline top 10 in my rankings. You look at his prospect profile. I mean, this guy, again, like very similar to Kittle coming out of college, 90th percentile in agility score, 91st percentile in the 40-yard dash. This guy ran a 4.59 40-yard dash. And, and overall has has great speed, great burst to his game. So I love the draft capital. I love the size, six foot three, 
245 pounds. I think in this range of guys, when you're talking about he's getting drafted essentially uh, next to the likes of Tyler Higby, Taysom Hill, who we don't know how much he's going to play this year. Uh, Greg Dulcich, who's already like almost in the doghouse with Sean Payton. Uh, yeah. He offers the most ceiling and the most upside by far out of all these guys. And, and, and I want to get, I want to draft him aggressively if I can, because if you don't take an elite tight end early, or if you miss out on Friarmuth in those middle rounds, you can get uh, Laporta right now, average pick 163 off the board. Yeah. And there's tremendous value at that point in the draft, in my opinion. It's also, I, I don't want to take too long on this segment, but I, I do want to say that there are so many rookie tight ends this season, and normally rookie tight ends don't perform too well their first season in the league. But I am interested in draft strategy when it comes to, unless I get Travis Kelsey, even if I get a Mark Andrews or a TJ Hawkinson on my team, I kind of am shooting for a rookie tight end uh, earlier than I should be as my backup, just to have it there. Cause you never know who's going to take off. Uh, and I do think Sam Laporta fits that. Even if you get Pat Frymuth, you might want to spend up a little bit on a backup tight end like Laporta, just to have that one, two punch when you need to sub in for a tough uh, defensive matchup. But that's, that's just me. I'm not. I'm not coming from the uh, post Gazette's lead fantasy analyst, Chris Dell, over here. He's the magic man. Let's move on to tight end number three on the five buys list, Dell. Yeah, you know I, I like a lot of tight ends in this range, and this one's a little tough for me to just pick out a couple. But one guy that I like, in, according to the where he's going in drafts right now, uh, I'm actually going to go back to Dallas because we talked about. Dalton Schultz, you know, leading wow. 89 targets in that offense. And for me, I thought the guy was going to be Luke Shoemaker, who they drafted with a top yep. three-round pick. It's actually Jake Ferguson. Uh, all, all reports out of camp are saying that Jake Ferguson has clearly emerged as the number one tight end ahead of Shoemaker, who's dealt with injuries already, and as well as yep. the other tight end in the roster in Peyton Hendershot. And we saw just two – in Dalton Schultz was banged up a lot last year, so I don't want to use – necessarily those season-long numbers, but in, in 2021, when Schultz was fully healthy, he was the tight end five in fantasy points per game, only behind that elite group of Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle, and shout-out to Rob Gronkowski also on that list there. But, look, Jake Ferguson, six foot five, 250 pounds. He was drafted in the fourth round just two seasons ago out of Wisconsin. Uh, you know, player profile, you can look at these college dominator rankings, and he had an 86 percentile college dominated ranking 86 percentile breakout age like he emerged as an elite uh, weapon in college when he was less than 20 years old so he's already kind of been on that projectile of like that was five years ago and now I think this is a point in his career where he could truly have a breakout year and it's not just me saying that and the reporters in Dallas it's actually Dak Prescott said that on numerous occasions that and we know that the way Dak Prescott likes to play you know, was it really Schultz earning all those targets in Dallas? No, or it was does not. Dak just like throwing the ball conservatively? Because it is, if it's the latter, then Ferguson going off the board right now, I, I think at, a, what is it, tight end 27, he could finish top 10. And, and that's going to be a massive steal. It's all about opportunity, especially in this tight end position is all about opportunity. And Dallas has proven year in and year out. And it wasn't always the guy named Dalton Schultz. There's been other names wearing that Dallas Cowboys jersey that have caught a lot of balls from Dak Prescott just because they are the natural line of progression. It goes CeeDee Lamb. No, I don't got it. Who's the deep? No, I don't got it. Where's Dalton Schultz? Where's my safety valve? And uh, you bring up Jake Ferguson. I love that. I was worried about Shoemaker just because we didn't know who was going to be the number one. It's clearly going to be Ferguson, at least to start the season. I think you're right on that. And also, 
uh, that same philosophy, we cannot forget that the offensive coordinator who has called all those Dak Prescott check down to tight end plays is no longer in Dallas, but is in Los Angeles. And I think the Chargers are going to have a heavy passing offense. And I don't love uh, Gerald Everett as much as the next guy, but I do believe he's going to be the beneficiary of a lot of sort of he's the third option on the play. And if he's open, that's where we go when nothing else is. I do think Everett's going to get a lot of looks in that offense just because of the man calling the plays. But we're on to tight end number four on the five buys network. Chris, what do you got? Yeah. um, You know, I I think the market is caught up to a lot of guys. I was drafted a month ago to where it doesn't really have as much value as they used to. Um, not too many crazy differences for me, but I'm going to touch on a few guys. I think it's important to have a discussion about. And one of those guys to me is, uh, Greg Dulcich from Denver. Um, he was a guy, I, I love the talent and love the profile from him coming into this season. But the fact remains again, that I mentioned with Marvin Mims is that, you know, Sean Payton, he has his guys and yep. he didn't draft Dulcich. He brought in Adam Troutman. And in their last preseason game, this isn't just – I'm not talking about preseason snaps overall. I'm talking about preseason game snaps with the first-team offense. It was 70% Troutman, 30% Dolchich. And you saw even last year when it was Hackett, everyone was always upset of why Dolchich isn't getting more targets. You know, sometimes there's a reason for that, that Dolchich is more of a pure receiving tight end to where that means that – crunch time situations, third downs, a lot of teams need these tight ends to stay in and block. And if these tight ends can't block, they're essentially going to be part-time players. So I bumped Dulcich down to tight end 18 in my ranks. I think when when I first started this draft process, he he was near my top 10. Dell, I wouldn't even have him close to the top 20, my guy. I I am right there with you. I think this is a a once-in-a-while player on this team. I think he's going to have some big, splashy plays in Denver – Fans are going to be ripping their hair out just like they were last year saying, where is Dulcich? Why isn't he on the field? But it's never been Sean Payton's bread and butter. And he, especially with this team, I think he's going to want to try to run the ball and pound people and, and have two tight ends on the field, but not for passing purposes, but for bowling people over purposes. I'm right there with you, man. And the fact that Troutman came over during the offseason, one of the first moves Peyton made when he took over Denver, it worried me a little bit for the Dolchich fantasy fandom, but the preseason has showcased it fully. I'm fully off. the. I will never draft Dolchich in, 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 a, in a league this season. I will not touch him with a 10-foot pole. And and if you have him in dynasty rankings, I would try my best. I would try my best to get rid of him at the highest price you can right now. I just don't think it's going to be a good year for him. Yeah, you're not selling high on him right now. I mean, if he comes out of the gates and has a big week one or week two, then yeah, you can maybe try to sell. And I think he's talented. Don't get me wrong. It's just the situation oh, yeah, right now is just not looking good. Absolutely. Now I like that. I like that you brought him up. We do have to have a sell on these five by segment, but let's go to tight end number five. There's two guys that you haven't mentioned, and I don't know if you're going to mention one of them here, so I'm not going to bring it up yet, but there's two guys that you haven't mentioned that I'm surprised you haven't because for me, they're the two biggest buys when it comes to the tight end market, but go for your tight end number five on the five by segment, my guy. I'm going I'm to go to another sell, Tony, because like I said, a lot, of these, a lot of these guys that I'm relatively high on, like I'm not super high compared to the market. Uh, as much as I love the talent, just like Dulcich, uh, I'm selling Kyle Pitts. I, I just uh, – <laughs> I, I can't get behind oh, hurts. the Falcons offense right now. I, I mean, it, it hurts me too, man. I, 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 love I wanted it to work. I, I know. wanted it to work so bad. You know, I, I have like a scolding hate in my heart for Arthur Smith for what he's done to Kyle Pitts over the last two years calling plays in Atlanta. And you know oh, what? I don't think putting Desmond Ritter at quarterback this year is going to help, man. 
I mean, I, I do believe Desmond Ritter is going to be much better than he was last season. I am. I actually have Atlanta as one of my picks to win the uh, one of my upset picks to win their division. I think Atlanta is going to be very strong this year. I would want Drake London on my team. I don't know if I would want Kyle Pitts on my team just because I'm right there with you. I, I just don't believe the the opportunity is going to be there the way we want it to be. Ah, oh, that hurts though. It does hurt. Well, I, I've had I, Kyle Pitts in many fantasy leagues, and it hurts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, we talk about coaches bringing in their guys like. You know, you remember Johnny Smith played for Tennessee when Arthur Smith yes. was there, and yes. he's now a tight end in Atlanta. Yes. So that's they're going to uh, want It's the same thing in Denver. They're going to want guys that can bowl people over in the blocking game, not just the receiving game, and that's not Kyle Pitts's game. And I don't know what's going to happen with that career, but I would not draft him at his current draft position. Uh, there that, is a guy. The there, there is a guy that I, I don't know where exactly he is now, but he was right around Kyle Pitts' draft position a little bit behind him that I have been focusing on in my best ball drafts. And these are two, my two. We'll finish this off with uh, Tony Squares, the non-fantasy expert's opinion on the two guys you want to buy at the tight end position. And they're not near the the uh, Greg Dolchiches of the world. They're not near the TE 11 through 19 they're much higher in the draft rankings. One of them is Darren Waller. I know Darren Waller has been injured literally every season for the past 20 straight seasons. I get that. I get that completely. But I just believe that with this offense in New York, they paid a pretty penny to go get Darren Waller in this offense because they knew the pass catchers that they have, the Isaiah Hodgkins, they, they aren't premier pass catchers. They did okay last year. Danny Dimes needs a guy that he can trust every time. And I do believe Darren Waller, if you called him a receiver – like, if you didn't put the name tight end on him, if you just called him a uh, receiver, I do believe he'd be getting drafted a lot higher because I think he's going to be the number one focal point of this offense for the entire offense. Saquon, we don't know what's going to happen with him. He should be back in tow, but the passing offense is going to surround Darren Waller. I think he's going to get over 100 targets in this offense as long as he stays healthy. If you draft Darren Waller, get yourself a guy like Sam Laporta so you can have a backup in case he goes down. But I'm all aboard the Darren Waller train, and I fully uh, – fully support grabbing him at his current draft position even a little bit earlier as your tight end one the one guy i'm seeking out though and i hate doing this because i normally don't like going against tight ends early i like waiting on my tight end position unless it's a travis kelsey it is tj hawkinson because i believe tj hawkinson has a chance to finish not just the te3 where he's being drafted i think he could uh, challenge kelsey for te1 production in the minnesota vikings offense we saw last year he had the most targets the most catches in his career tj hawkinson did between detroit and minnesota but when he went to minnesota a team that targeted their tight ends third most in the entire nfl even before tj hawkinson got there he had the most targets in the league from uh, the day he was traded to week 17, it was TJ Hawkinson and Travis Kelsey tied for the most targets in the league. And it's all about opportunity. If you can guarantee me eight to 10 targets a game from the tight end position and you are athletic enough to really do stuff with those targets, then I want you on my team as my tight end. He's getting drafted now. Uh, fourth round, fifth round guy. I am yeah. a okay taking him there because I think he could really uh, uh, produce for you the way Travis Kelsey does. He did not get a lot of touchdowns last year. We know that that is a fluky. He should come back up to the mean on that, but the targets and the opportunities will be there. I'm all aboard the Hawkinson train, especially with Addison as a rookie wide receiver. We don't know if he's going to hit right away. It's going to be Justin Jefferson over the top. He's going to be covered by 17 guys, and TJ Hawkinson is a safety valve down below. I love TJ Hawkinson as my tight end number one. But that's it. Yeah. That's my that's my little yeah. addition to the. No, no, I, I I love Hawkinson too. And look, like I have him ranked second, so it, it's I can't have him 
so far ahead of market where I feel compelled to talk about him. But yeah. I've been drafting a ton of him out of like the 30 best ball drafts I've done. Uh, I the, the two tight ends I had the most of are Laporta and Hawkinson. So yeah. uh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And you look at the last four weeks of the season, weeks 14 through 18, when he really got his stride in that Vikings offense, uh, he had eight more targets than the next tight end in the entire yeah. league. So the, the target earning potential is absolutely there. And I agree with the rest of the makeup. Fast-paced offense, not a great defense. So same thing with Seattle earlier we talked about with Lockett. You know, this could lead to a ton of extra drop-back passing plays, et cetera, going Hawkinson's way. I, I, I've warmed up to Darren Waller. I'm, I'm right in line with the market, Tony. I've got him tight end six. Like, uh, yep. If he falls to me, I definitely would feel confident drafting him. Although, if I get a guy in the top six, I, I don't know if I'm drafting a second tight end until super late. So that, that's kind of where I'm at with the Kittle, Fryermuth, Waller, like that, that kind gotcha. of third tier – uh, there, I think they're all viable to be your number one tight end. In fact, like I'm considering moving Kittle behind to tight end six overall because I think he's got much more competition in line for targets than both yep. Fryermuth and Waller both have. But yeah, and then Pitts is in that range too. But again, like look at Pitts last year, even when he was healthy with multiple quarterbacks under center with not much uh, tight end uh, competition in terms of targets, didn't have one single game last year with double digit targets. That concerns you don't have to me. me Del. You don't have to remind me how bad it was last year for Kyle Pitts owners. I was there. I lived it. Okay. He was like tight end 50 in points per game in the second half of the year. I mean, it was it was brutal. And I don't expect Arthur Smith to, to change his ways. So that that's yeah. my last on Pitts. Yeah, I feel you. But that's it. That is the last of us on this segment for the fantasy favorites for the George Pickens Appreciation Hour. Uh, Dell, it was a wonderful week again. We'll be back next week with another segment breaking down. We're right there, man. We are right there. We're hitting the last preseason games as we talk, as we record this. It's going to be a week off, and then it's NFL football is back, baby. It's time to get ready for those drafts, man. I am excited. Let's go, man. Hey, you know, like I said, the Steelers have all the hype in the world. It's exciting down here in the North Shore Drive, downtown Pittsburgh area. Uh, fantasy drafts this weekend. I've got my home draft that I've been running for 13 years. My dad's in it. Uh, we got our season-long fantasy league coming up, Tony, the League of Winners. So uh, I'm going to be doing – got, uh, I've got about 44 drafts going on on my phone right now. Excuse uh, me? What yeah, did you 40, say? 44 drafts. I've got about 25 on underdog and 20 on DraftKings. You don't, you don't, you only have to make one pick every eight hours when you go on the clock. <laughs> but about you know every every 15 minutes or so, I'm I'm, I'm clicking on my phone and, and, and taking a player. So it's uh, it's that time of year. This is Christmas time for me, Tony. Come on, man. I yeah, absolutely. It's Christmas time. Your wife must hate you. That is it for the Fantasy Favorites podcast for Tony Squares for Chris Dell. We will be back next week. Let's go, George Pickens. Let's do it. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post Gazette.